Braves, Bulldogs, Falcons, Yellow Jackets, Hawks, Eagles. From the heart of Georgia, it's the Bill Shanks Show. Happy Thursday and welcome to our broadcast. I'm Bill Shanks with Russ Brown. We appreciate you being with us here for this program. I know spring is here because I saw a would-be uh, in the yard today. That is a good sign, is it not? Uh, that, yes and no. Yes and no. Yeah, because those things are a pain in the butt. They are. I've, I found a good spray that works. I'll, oh, yeah? If you need it. If, if they've already, especially if they've already got a hole board in somewhere, you just spray it right in there and mm. they seal them up. You know how to let the neighbors know that you're crazy? Come outside with a broom and just start swinging. <laughs> Your way sounds like more fun. It would be fun. <laughs> and then the neighbors will leave you alone. Look, I'm wacko. Uh, I'm coming out swinging at bees. <laughs> Left and right. So, anyway. Yeah, it's uh, getting that time, which is good. Warm outside. Set a high in making yesterday and... I'm sure it's going to be pushing that again today because it's toasty out there. Yeah, but you know this is fake spring, right? Oh yeah. You think there's one more, one more little blast there's, there's coming? Always one before Easter, every year. Always. You're right. Well, it's eighty. Let's see. It's eighty-one right now in Macon, and high is supposed to be eighty-one. Highs for the next several days are. 82, 76, 81, 83, 77, 77, 79, 74, 68, 69, 72, 71, 71, 69. And if we could just pause right here and stay oh. like this year-round, that'd be perfect. I love March. Number one, smart people are born in March, except for Eddie from Ackworth. <laughs> no, he's not born in March. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, and the weather is great. And baseball's almost here. And George and Georgia Tech are always in it. Oh, boy. <laughs> sorry yeah yeah always in the beginning of college baseball season that's right <laughs> college baseball season going on hey we want to remind you now that tomorrow we will be doing the show from the georgia sports hall of fame the class of 2023 will be going in high school coach jackie bradford high school coach buck godfrey andrew jones little braze outfielder it was between Albert Hall and Andrew Jones. We went with Andrew. Sean Jones, one of the best high school quarterbacks in the state of Georgia and the quarterback for the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets on their national championship year. Stan Caston, who needs to just go ahead and rescind his Dodgerdom tomorrow. Don't you think that would be nice? Yeah, just leave it at the airport. If he's wearing blue, I'm going to race hell tomorrow. I mean, you can you can pick it back up when you get back to, to L.A., but yeah. Just check that at the door. You dare me to text him, don't we? Don't you dare wear blue. <laughs> do it. You should do it. I'll do it. Going to try to get him on the show tomorrow. Al Parker, a great tennis prospect or player, rather, I should say, from the University of Georgia 30 years ago. He was one of the best ever to play in this state, high school and college. Former Georgia coach Mark Richt and also Ron Reed, Georgia, or rather, uh, Braves pitcher, who was also an NBA star for the Detroit Pistons. Russ, you're not going to bring in your Pistons crap tomorrow to get Ron Reed to sign it, are you? Yeah, I I, I have to admit, I don't have any more Pistons Thank crap. Thank God. I, I, I don't know where the last of it went, but <laughs> um, no, I gave up that fandom about, I guess it was about 20 years ago. Good. 
Yeah. Gross. Well, Ron Reed played for the Pistons, and he, he's one of the best athletes. Ron Reed is still a great golfer. He's playing tomorrow at Barrington Hall here in Macon for the, with the golf tournament. And so he's just a great, great tournament. And so anyway, now on Saturday, there is a fan fest Saturday afternoon at the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame. And I want to let you know who's going to be there because everybody should make plans to go to the Fan Fest. Tony Barnhart, great college football writer. Buck Ballou is going to be there, and he's going to have his book for sale. Buck, of course, legendary Georgia quarterback of the 1980 National Championship team, and I've heard he's doing some two-bit radio show in Atlanta. I'm just kidding. Buck's a good friend. I'm just joking. Buck Ballou's going to be there with his book. And if you're a Georgia fan, you need to come and get Buck's book, buy the book, and to get it autographed by Buck Ballou. He'll be there at FanFest on Saturday. Jackie Bradford, one of the recipients this year. Bobby Bryant, longtime NFL player. Alan Chadwick, high school coach. Pete Cox, golfer. Buck Godfrey, who's going in this year. Steve Holman, legendary voice of the Atlanta Hawks. Bob Horner is coming back this year, which is great. Also, Sean Jones, one of this year's recipients. Roger Kaiser, big-time coach, basketball coach. Jamie Kaplan, legendary tennis figure in the state. Stan Kasten. Uh, T. McFerrin, high school coach. Sorry, I couldn't see it. Al Parker, George Patton, Bill Plager. Great golfer, Ron Reed, Coach Rick will be there. Phil Schaefer, legendary broadcaster, Gary Stoken, good, glad he's coming back. And Brenda Clyatt Thomas. And um, on Saturday night, those of you who are coming on Saturday night, Evander Holyfield's going to be there. How about that? It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. And he'll also be there. Tomorrow night as well. Coach Durham will be there tomorrow night, so we look forward to seeing him. Always fun to see Coach Durham. So it's it's going to be a great weekend. If you don't know about the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame, it is the State Museum to honor the great athletes from the state of Georgia who played here at the state of in the state of Georgia, and it is just always a tremendous weekend with the golf tournament tomorrow at Barrington Hall this year. Then the jacket ceremony, of which I'm honored to MC for the 14th year. And then on Saturday, the Fan Fest at the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame Museum. And then the ceremony on Saturday night at the Macon Coliseum. It's in Macon, but this is a state museum. And if you're ever in Macon, for those of you listening outside of the Macon area, we invite you to come and check out the museum. It is a great, great museum. Uh, Murray Poole of the... Uh, formerly of the Brunswick News, is also going to be honored. And that's a great uh, event uh, for him to to be honored. Murray had a great career as a sports writer, both in Brunswick and for Bulldog Illustrated. So we're honored to honor his 50-plus career in sports writing in the state. And um, Burt Williams, a longtime coach at GMC, is going to be honored as well, which is great. Burt died a couple of years ago. 
but we're thrilled to be able to honor Coach Williams and uh, his family and put him into the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame as well. So um, great, great weekend, and we invite you to come. But Fan Fest is on Saturday, and there's going to be a lot of people there, Bulldog fans. Coach Rick's going to be there, and Bob Horner for the Braves fans, he'll be there, which will be which will be great. So just uh, a tremendous, tremendous event. And I have heard rumors that on Saturday night that um, a human highlight film is going to be there for Stan Caston. So he's going to float in. <laughs> Bob Rathman's going to be a side man, just in case. <laughs> well, he's going to run down the runway in Atlanta and just leap into the air. Oh, man. And Bob will call it as he's no, landing here and no making No kidding. How great will that be if Dominique comes? Wouldn't that be fun? That would. That'd be really cool. He's. It's been a while. I think he came for when Lou Hudson came in. That was about 20 years ago. I think. I think. I'm not sure. He's been, but it's been a while. But anyway, it's going to be a great weekend. So we, we invite you to, to come. Nate McMillan will not be going in. You don't think he did enough in his one and a half seasons no. as the Hawks head coach to <laughs> be a worthy candidate? <laughs> I don't. I don't. Nate McMillan fired, and it looks like Quinn Snyder is on the way. Quinn Snyder is the former head coach of the Missouri Tigers and the SEC and of the Utah Jazz in the NBA. Um, I, the things I read – Today, the, the the consensus is Quinn Snyder was, and I say was because he's not a head coach right now, was one of the best coaches in the NBA for the eight years he was leading the Utah Jazz. His record with Utah was very good. He had one losing season with Utah, and it was his first year when the Jazz went 38. I'm sorry, I was wrong. 38 and 44 his first year, then the next year 40 and 42. So he had two losing seasons, and that's it. Then he went 51 and 31. Then he had 48, 50, 44, 52, and 49 wins. Now they never got past the conference semifinals, so it's not like he's won an NBA championship. But they had their best run in Utah for those six years that they were in the playoffs since the Carl Malone, John Stockton years back in the 80s-90s. And that was a very successful run when Carl Malone and John Stockton, two Hall of Famers, Jeff Hornacek, Tyrone Corbin, Mark Eaton, that was a great run there for the Utah Jazz. And this has been the best that Utah has done ever since. They wanted for Quinn Snyder to stay, and they were rebuilding the team and kind of tore it down a little bit. They traded Rudy Gobert. They traded most of their players, to be honest with you. And Quinn Snyder decided to leave. I, I read an article today where Danny Ainge, who was the new general manager of the of the Utah Jazz, said that he wanted Quinn Snyder to stay, but Quinn Snyder wanted to back away from coaching and take a year off and just kind of chill a little bit, which happens sometimes with coaches. Quinn Snyder's 56 years old. He played and coached at Duke before getting the Missouri job and then going to the NBDL before joining 
the NBA as an assistant. He was an assistant for one year under Mike Budenholzer with the Atlanta Hawks 2013-2014. I saw a quote from Chris Vivlamore of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution today where he said that Kyle Korver, who's now a Hawks executive, had said when Kyle Korver was playing for Atlanta at that point in time and Quinn Snyder was the coach, so there's yet another kind of tie-in that Quinn Snyder was a pick-and-roll savant while he was an assistant with the, with the Hawks. Quinn Snyder is universally – Quinn Snyder, you kind of have to say the whole name, Quinn Snyder. I don't think you call him Quinn or Coach – it's Quinn Snyder. It's kind of a quick name. You kind of say it. Quinn Snyder is a, known as an offensive coach, which, you know what? What the hell? There ain't nobody play defense anyway. <laughs> I hate to say that, but it's kind it's of true, true, isn't it? I, it it's true. And and, and and I'll say this in defense of the current players. I don't know with these rules how you play defense. I don't either. I'm with you. I, I, I agree. I had someone tell me today, you know, I just can't watch the NBA. I can't get into it. They don't play defense. I said, well, I don't know if it's their fault. You can't touch anybody. You can't. Nope. You can't. You can't touch anybody. And so – Anyway, I think Quinn Snyder would be great. When Quinn Snyder did leave the the Utah Jazz last year, we said on the show, hmm, keep that little name in mind just in case it doesn't work out. And obviously it didn't work out. And now Sham Shonaria has reported that Quinn Snyder is the leading candidate and that the Hawks are trying to work toward a deal. So this is the guy. And if Kyle Korver, who is in the front office now, if Kyle Korver does have a voice in that organization, I just would be shocked if this is not the the, the guy they go with. So I like it. I think it's great. Uh, Kenny Atkinson also is a name that has been out there, obviously, along with some assistants. But this guy, again, Russ, from everything I read, when he was coaching in those eight years, the success he had, particularly in the six years, that Utah went to the playoffs, people looked at Quinn Snyder as one of the best coaches in the NBA. When the hell is the last time we've said that about an Atlanta Hawks coach? 19 what? <laughs> I was going to say Lenny Wilkins. Lenny Wilkins. <laughs> That's exactly right. Night In the 1990s. Yeah. Um, I, look, I, I think this is the right move at the right time. Um, and Zach Klein tweeted out earlier, to, to, don't be surprised if they also given the – title of uh, president of basketball operations and fine with me well that's what this organization needs right now they they, they, it needs leadership and needs a strong personality that can come in and lead this team i think he is that um and 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 i think you know it it could go it could go poorly uh, if if he is indeed the guy and it could blow up in your face with him and trey young button heads again but that this Trey Young situation needs to be brought to a head. You know, whether he may yeah. not even be, he may not be an issue. It, it, it may have been Nate and and Lloyd Pierce. But I think we've reached a point now where you have to bring in a coach that is going to hold players accountable. And Quinn Schneider is that guy. And if they don't like it, then you know you need to move in a different direction with your roster. But if it works. I think I think the combination of of Young and Murray in the backcourt can be really really good if they're focused and show up a you know eighty two times a, a season. I I'm turning on Trey Young. 
I think a lot of people are. I hate to say that. I really do. And I know Jason Walker thought about I thought about texting Jason Walker today and saying, Okay, I'm keeping Murray and trading young. What am I going to get for him? But I, I you know, I didn't want for him to call me a name. Because um, Jason thinks Trey Young's a star, and we had that conversation yesterday with Bobby. And I, Trey Young wasn't at practice today. He had what they said was an excused absence from practice. The problem with that, now he may have had something to do. We all have things to do at some point. Where, hey, I say Russ, I did it last Friday. Why, hey Russ, I'm taking Friday. Russ, hey, I gotta go see the insurance man. I'm kidding. I had to say that. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> I'm sorry. I cracked myself up on that one. <laughs> we all have to have days. So, you, you want to give him the benefit of the doubt. The problem with it, though, is that John Collins came out in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and you, well, yesterday's press conference and took responsibility as far as the problems for this team we heard DeJounte Murray called Nate McMillan, talked with him. It was very complimentary of the respect that he has for Nate McMillan. And it's Thursday, and we haven't heard squat from Trey Young. And you know what? If this is Trey Young's team, why not? Why not? I mean, again, when the, the stuff happened a few weeks ago where Trey – was out and got sent home or left or whatever happened. He said it was a personal, private matter that he didn't want to talk about. He made that very clear in his press conference. Zach Klein of Channel 2 continued to push him to see what was the deal. He didn't answer it, didn't want to answer it. And Zach Klein did push him to the point where saying, well, this is your team. People want to know about you. And they want to know what's going on with you. And he pushed back on that. Well, I hate to agree with Zach Klein. He's right. And it's been almost 48 hours since Nate McMillan got fired. We've not heard from Trey Young. Why not? Especially, it looks even worse, Russ, because of the fact Collins and Murray have said something. That, to me, makes it worse. Yeah, He well, and, and see – if you're the face of a franchise and a star player, you, you, you know, you, you talk in these situations, you know, and, and he's not doing that. And in the previous time when Lloyd Pierce got fired, you know, he didn't take any part in the responsibility for, for that having had happened. And he's not, and he's doing the same thing now. Uh, it's not too late. He's still young ish, but somebody's got to teach him. So, and I don't know who, who it is. Is it John Collins? Is it Murray? Is it Kyle Korver? But it's got to be a player or a former player, and it's got to be somebody in that organization that, that kind of shows him how to be a leader because he is failing miserably in that department right now. And, and you're right. I think a lot of people are starting to kind of turn an eye towards Trey Young because if you go back and you read that Landry Fields press conference, that transcript – it starts off about Nate McMillan, and it quickly turns into a conversation about Trey Young. So the media is really starting to say, "Hey, what about Trey? What's his role in this? Is he going to have a say so in the new hire?" You know, and and Trey going radio silent in this moment is not a good look. I know there was an article in the AJC about the fact that Trey Young should be involved in the hire. I think that's BS. I'm sorry, I don't think that's right at all. 
I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't want nothing I, to do. I mean, why go to Trey Young about are you okay with Quinn Snyder or Kenny Atkinson or whoever? Yeah, I, I you know, two years ago, because you know, after the Eastern Conference Finals, it felt like you know he was this superstar player that we thought he was turning into. I would have been okay with that, but now, no, uh, uh-uh. uh, no, 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 because I, if I if I'm in the Hawks front office, I'm not sure I want to move forward with Trey Young because look, right. if, if he starts to butt heads with Quinn Schne- again, if Quinn Schneider takes the job, whoever the next coach is. If he's button heads with that guy or the interim coach for that matter, I'm I, I think you gotta think about trading Trey Young. You know what? If if Quinn Snyder is hired in the next seventy two hours, I hope Quinn Snyder comes in he's out of con- the country right now. If he comes in as the head coach of this team for next year, I hope Quinn Snyder will come and watch every game from the upper deck. You know what I'm saying? Come watch every game from the upper deck. Don't let anybody know where you are. Put a hat on. Put a disguise on. Make yourself look like a serial killer for all I care. Don't let anybody know who you are. Sit in the upper deck and watch. Visualize. Look. Learn. And look, at the end of that time period, Russ, to, to kind of quote you, you may sit down and say, all right, what do we get for Trey Young and how do we go about keeping DeJounte Murray? What if that was the decision? Okay, you know what, Murray could be our point guard. We could build around what we get with Trey Young. And we're going to get a boatload for Trey Young. I mean a boatload. My God, look what these teams get for these players. And that's going to be tempting, especially if someone were to call you with an offer. There may be teams out there that would call you, tempting you with an offer for Trey Young. And you know what? A new coach and a new president of basketball operations may say, I'm going to listen. So I hope he just watches and learns and visualizes and takes notes and decides from afar what it's going to be as he steps into this position. Yeah. Well, and I think it's it's going to be an attractive job because uh, because of Trey Young because he showed us two years ago it's in him. Right. He can be a superstar player. He's not doing it right now. And I'm not talking about statistics. I'm talking about leadership, and I'm talking about wins and losses. But it's, he, he's capable. And so hopefully, whoever the next coach is, the easiest path forward is to draw that out of him. But if you can't do that and it's the same old story, you got to move on. From the secret text line, Quinn Snyder puts way too much gel in his hair. You know, he, you, you said that about the, uh, the serial killer thing. I mean, he's got kind of that look. Do you remember the villain in Terminator 2, that evil cop? He, he, he looks like he that. He looks like it. Yeah, he does. Oh, my gosh. It wasn't that guy on some TV show on CBS not too long ago? Uh, yeah. yeah what's it, what was the show's name? FBI or something? I don't watch CBS. Um, that's coming from someone who needs to put more gel in his hair. Well, I'm not going to comment on that. It's a very well-dressed man. <laughs> Then the question is, is there an alpha power forward the Hawks can bring in a mix with Young because Collins hasn't demonstrated he's the guy? Free agency after the season. Well, they don't have a whole lot of cap room to be able to do things like that. Yeah, well, I think from an off-the-court leadership thing, one thing that would help, if, if and again, if he were to come in and be the president of basketball operations, he can squash the trade talk with John Collins, and then John Collins can be that vocal leader. That's right, because that he's really the guy. Yeah, he's the, but, he's been around the longest. Yeah, right, and he's you know he had that thing for the Players Tribune. He always talks to the media. I know that rubs some people the wrong way, but he's the one that's gonna, that you can go to to kind of take the pulse of the team. But it's hard to be a leader on the court if you're being talked about in a trade every two. <laughs> 
to. I mean, for three years. What? I'm what? not listening to that guy. He's going to be in Milwaukee exactly. next week. Exactly. Trade bait. I'm going to go interview him. <laughs> Give me a break. So it's an interesting situation. We'll see what Trey says tomorrow. I'm sure they'll have a shoot around tomorrow before their game tomorrow night against the Cleveland Cavaliers when they start the second part of the year with a four-game homestand to start off that part of the schedule. All right, I'm going to come back from my darkness retreat and uh, talk a little baseball after this commercial break. So what is what do you think Aaron Rodgers does in the dark? I'd rather not think about that. I mean, are you asking me, like, physically or, like, what does he ingest or I don't know. Does he just sit there and think in the dark and I guess. Does he eat anything in the dark? Yeah, they I, I read a whole article about it. Like the guy that owns the the compound or complex or whatever, it's I don't want to say resort, like brings a day's worth of food every evening oh, okay. to all the guests. Okay. I mean it sounds like I could do it for a night just to unplug, but I don't know about Wait, four days. So there's a resort where all you have to provide is a bunch of food in the dark room? Yep. There's a waiting list, and he's thinking about building seven more to accommodate the demand. This segment of the Bill Shanks Show is brought to you by the Shanks Brown Dark Resort. <laughs> that will be opening in a former storage facility in Macon. <laughs> yeah. There's plenty of abandoned buildings around here. I'm There's sure we can get one cheap. <laughs> plenty of abandoned buildings. Now we know what to do with them. Damn, I know I could have gotten a telegraph building for something before they put the storage facility in there. I could have had a dark resort. Is that what they call it? I don't think they use the term resort, but... Okay. I mean, it's... Yeah. Dark retreat. Retreat? Yeah, retreat. Is that racist a, to say that? Retreat? No, dark. No, you, you, it's without light. Okay. Yeah. We're not referring to a people. Okay. I'm just making sure. With Russ Brown, I'm Bill Shanks. You're listening to The Bill Shanks Show. Russ was just saying uh, something that I knew, and that is that he and his wife watched Wheel of Fortune in Jeopardy. I watched Wheel of Fortune last night. I'm still stumped by the fact that people buy vowels. Uh, it drives me insane. It dri- and, and those kids last night were out of control. Uh, it, it, it absolutely drives me. All you're doing is setting the board up for the next person to win. Hello. And and one of the one of the kids... Said a vowel that had already been taken is like, you dumbass. <laughs> They're 12, so don't say that to them. Well, they were yeah. older than that, but it's like, come on now. <laughs> and But but I, I don't think the vowels cost anything. I don't see the number change when they buy vowels. Do you? Uh, like no, off their total? No, no, no. It's just you can't, like you, you can't get any money. You got to spin the wheel to get money. No, the vowels don't call. I don't know why they say buy a vowel. Oh yeah, I want to buy a vowel. They, they used to though. Yeah, it used to cost money. Because Wheel of Fortune used to be really good because if you won the round, you could go shopping, and they would peruse the studio with cash prize. I mean, with with beautiful merchandise. Oh, this Broy Hill sofa. Yeah. For people my age, that's how you know you're old. I remember when Wheel of Fortune was on during the day. Like yeah, that, you're old. Yeah. You remember, and, and, you remember the, the host when Pat Sajak went to go do a late-night show on CBS before David Letterman, who the host of – shut up, Chris. <laughs> who the host of, of – Was he even alive? No, because he knows. he Because he, he, he's a TV geek like, like I am, so I, I knew that he knew. Who who the host of Daytime Wheel of Fortune was? I, I think I've told you. 
Was it Chuck Woolery? I have no. He, well, he was the first one. Okay. Yes, he was the first one. So, yeah, we'll accept that answer. But uh, Rolf Bernerska, the former kicker for the San Diego Chargers. <laughs> wow, I never would have guessed that in a million years. Which ended the t- tenure of Wheel of Fortune on daytime TV on NBC. They ought to bring that back, though. Get better ratings than The View. Well, I, don't, see, I think that stuff's on during the day because people aren't at home. The View? Yeah. Just you got to feel. What are we going to put on this time of day when nobody's watching TV? Like I would go with judge shows. I love, I'm addicted to those. They just they just canceled two of them. Really? They just canceled People's Court and Judge. Uh, um, oh, I can see him. Black eye glasses. Joe Brown. Joe, Brown. Joe he's my favorite. He gets canceled. But I don't. I on the Hulu. I just sounded like the, my grandmother. I said on the Hulu. Oh, am I having a stroke? Are you okay over there? I just fumbled my water twice in a row. What the hell's wrong with me? But they have this this. It's a twenty four seven judge show channel. Oh yeah, that's all they show. Yeah, I'm addicted to it. You really watch that crap all the time? <laughs> Not all the time, but most of the time. You need a towel. <laughs> getting you said getting old stuff, and I go drink, <laughs> drop my water, and look like I piss my pants. It's awful. Well, anyway. I'm just glad you didn't electrocute yourself. No kidding. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh. Yeah, I don't get why they I don't get why they buy vials on that show. Yeah, I mean just either. really just like, Well, did you stick around for Jeopardy? I did. You know what? Because I think she was wearing that black and red suit for me. Uh, oh god. Oh, I forgot about that. No, but the girl that won last night's from Macon. Where is she? Was she really? Yeah. Is that right? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. She she goes to North Carolina now, but yeah, she's from Macon. Is I can't remember right? the name. How but, about that? Yep. Yeah, I watched that. They had a few topics that were a little above my head last night. <laughs> they had a lot of topics above my head. Yeah, I, but usually I can get one like during the show, and I'm like, this is a shutout. This is a Greg Maddox performance against me. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't getting a base hit here, brother. Uh, I'm, I'm SOL right here. <laughs> not a Not a word. Yeah, but anyway. Well, she she was good. Yeah, she was really good, and and the the boy flopped on Final Jeopardy. I can tell you that. Yeah, he didn't do his. How does somebody who goes to Georgia Tech blow the math? I'm not going to comment on that because I don't want okay. Pe- Pepper to call me up and be all pissed off about <laughs> it. That's for sure. All right, uh, today from Braves camp, the Braves had another live BP session. I'm enjoying these videos from the reporters down there, and that was um, Ian Anderson pitching and he was throwing a slider dare i say that ian anderson is going to have a third pitch this year russell brown i saw a video of him striking out michael harris with said slider mm-hmm. and it I, pretty I don't, good i don't think it's a gimmick pitch and i don't think michael harris is headed for a sophomore slump so he, he yeah ian anderson may have this third pitch now you got to remember when he goes out there for that first spring training start, that might be all he throws. <laughs> so you can't really dig too much into the numbers, but yeah. uh, that's that could be big for him. Well, I tell you what, if he's the fifth starter and he throws that third pitch, we're in business. Mm-hmm. I mean, that you're talking about Charlie Morton, who also was throwing BP today and throwing pitches by Matt Olson, which was a good thing to see. Of course, Max Freed, which you're not worried about. Then you've got Spencer Strider, who they're just – their their jaws dropping at Spencer Strider so far down there. Kyle Wright, who says his shoulders never felt felt better, and then 
three-pitch Ian Anderson. I mean, that that scares you of how good that is. Everybody keeps on asking about Michael Soroka. And look, as long as Michael Soroka is healthy, he's probably going to be in AAA. I, I know that there was a thought, and rightfully so, that there was going to be a competition this year between Soroka and Ian Anderson. But I do not believe that's going to be the case, mainly because Michael's not pitched for three years, two and a half years. August of 2020, remember, is the last time he, he pitched. So, And Ian Anderson's unbelievable. Ian Anderson and Michael Soroka have never been teammates. <laughs> They've never been on the team at the same time. That's crazy. But Ian Anderson replaced Michael Soroka in the Braves rotation for the rest of the 2020 season after the Achilles injury, the initial Achilles injury. So, uh, obviously, uh, it's something to watch, but I think that Soroka is going to be in AAA to, to start this season. Now, uh, I almost feel compelled to help educate everybody on a new process that I'm going through in my mind, and that is we get ready for the season and we elaborate so much on what's going to happen with the 26-man roster to break camp. And I, I, I tell you, it's really the point where you're talking about the whole 40-man roster. The Major League Baseball season over six months, and we have learned this the last few years in particular, it seems, it is so dependent on more than 26 players who are currently on your roster. Half of the AAA team has to be looked at as possibilities for a Major League team, and I think the Braves are are right there with that, and they have been for, for some time uh, because there's no question that you're going to use a lot of players that uh, – are going to be part of your team for the six months of the season. Last year, the Atlanta Braves used 31 pitchers. You're talking about 18 over the number that broke camp in April. So think about that, 18 pitchers. And a lot of those were from the Meyer League. Some of them only had one game. Freddie Tarnock only had, uh, had, had one game. Well, let's see. How many of them had one game? Uh, Danny Young. Orlando Arcia, well, he's an infielder. Mike Ford, he was an infielder. Fetty Tarnock. So, you had two pitchers that had one game, and two had two. But you know what? That's what you have to get ready for. So, my point is, as as we read these spring training stories, obviously everybody's curious about Michael Soroka because they would love for, for Michael to come back and pitch and be part of the team. And I'm not saying he's not by saying that he's going to start the year in AAA. And maybe I'm wrong, but I think with Ian Anderson – even doing what he's doing right now, and with the five in the rotation, Freed, Wright, Morton, Strider, and Anderson, that as long as those five are healthy, there's no room for Soroka right now. But in AAA, Michael Soroka, Bryce Elder, Jared Schuster, and Dylan Dodd, uh, along with Darius uh, Vines, who is another prospect for the Braves, those are five pitchers who we could see this year at some time. Braves have not been scared of calling up a pitcher, even as a reliever, if need be. And remember, I mentioned Freddie Tarnock a moment ago. He had been a starting pitcher. They needed him in the bullpen. They brought him up. It's happened before. And so it's just something to keep in mind here. Is I know Soroka has a lot of light on him. I know a lot of people are really curious about what he's going to do. I just think that as long as those five are healthy in the rotation – even if Michael has a great spring, he's going to start in AAA. Now, he wouldn't tell you that, and he wouldn't like me saying that, but I really think that's what's going to happen. 
And uh, I think the Braves will be better for it because at some point the Braves will need Michael Soroka during the year. I would love to sit here and think that Max Freed, Charlie Morton, Kyle Wright, Spencer Strider, Ian Anderson can have 30 starts each out of the 162, and you'll have 150 games out of the 162 started by those five pitchers. It would be unbelievable. Braves probably win 110 games if that happens. I don't know how realistic that is. And even if that's the case, you got to have somebody start 12 more. So um, Soroka is going to be needed at some point this year. There's no question about it. I'm just curious as to how far along he is at the end of spring training. Remember, uh, two years ago, he started the last game they played in spring training. Remember that, Russ? He had had the Achilles in 2020. August of 2020 came back, and he started the last game at Florida for the Grapefruit League. And then came back and then hurt his shoulder and then tore his Achilles again and he was done. So, you know, he's got plenty of time to take his time and, and he's going to help out at some point this year. I just, for Mike Soroka, I, I think just I, I want to see him make it back to that mound at Truist Park or, or if it's on the road, you know, just that that's the thing. I don't really know what the expectations can be for him other than let's just hope that he makes it back all the way back. You know, you don't want to have any setbacks or – anything like that have happened. And you know what? And if he is able to contribute to this team, then that's just going to be – I mean, the pitching is going to be stupid. Stupid. Uh, but, yeah, you just – you know, I, it's, trying to assess what, what can he do, it's just so hard to answer that question because it's been so long. So, for me, I, I just said that expectation of just make it back to the majors. That, I mean, and I think the, the idea that you floated out there – about him starting the season in Gwinnett's probably going to be the right way to go because you can keep a close eye on him and manage it a little bit better just to see where he's at and then when, when and if he's ready to make that move, um, you know, get him up to Atlanta because that like there's going to be opportunities whether it's there's going to be injuries or setbacks or a guy's got to get scratched and miss a start. Uh, they may there may be a stretch of the season where they feel like they need to go with a six man rotation. I mean, we've seen it. I used to I used to get all excited and wondering, oh, who's going to make the opening day roster? I don't even worry about that anymore because it's going to change. Yeah. I mean, it, and it changes so much over the course of a season. But, you know, I just want to see Mike make it back to Atlanta. Absolutely. It'll be a great day, and I hope he gets a great ovation when it happens. Real quick before we go to the break, there was a picture today. I was trying to find it to find out who posted the picture of Sean Murphy next to Travis Darnot. Sean Murphy, and we've talked about the comment that Melissa Lockhart had, right, when we invited her on about she was a reporter, is a reporter for a publication out west that covers the Oakland A's. And when she came on after the Sean Murphy trade, she said that she had never seen a ball player or anybody who had as wide as shoulders as Sean Murphy. And so this picture, you'll have to go to Google to find it or, or to, to – there you go. That's it. Show that to Russ. Show that to him real quick. So, so the picture of Sean Murphy, he's like twice as wide as Travis Darnot. I mean, and, and, and it's like, if I'm a pitcher, I'm going to love having that cat behind the plate. Number one, he's going to have a great target, whether he's on his knee or not, right? Which mm-hmm. is ridiculous. Number two, try to come in and barrel him over and try to score a run. Yeah. That ain't going to happen. Right. And number three, don't be afraid to pitch inside. He's got your back. That's right. <laughs> I mean, that guy, he looks like – I know I say this every time, but it always he looks like he's wearing shoulder pads. I know, he does. 
Uh, you've seen Carlton Fisk. You've seen video of Carlton oh, yeah. Fisk. Yeah. Carlton Fisk looked bigger than I think he actually was, but he was huge still. He looked like he was like 6'5", and, and you know, he, he's incredible. But, I mean, I think they're falling in love with Sean Murphy down there. And these comments are really fun to listen to or, or, or read about how great this guy is behind the plate and how good this is going to be for this team. And, of course, that the question is now answered that we wondered about. He can throw to first base as many times as he wants, and no damn clock's going to stop him, which is really cool. So, anyway, it's going to be fun to have Mr. Murphy with Travis Darno behind that plate. Not at the same time, but you know what I'm saying. We'll take a break, come back, talk football here right after this. 11 minutes for the top of the hour. Thank you for being with us. Bill and Russ here on the radio talking sports. Jamin Dumas Johnson got arrested yesterday for racing and reckless driving in Athens on College Station Road the night after the national championship game. Remember, this is the one that was said to be a leader on the team. And uh, when I asked the question, well, is he in jeopardy of being pushed because of the unbelievable talent in inside linebacker and Anthony Dasher said, well, I mean, he's kind of one of the leaders on the defense. He's calling the plays, and which I think he's right. I don't think that Dash is incorrect in saying that. But leadership doesn't mean going out racing on College Station Road. And I know part of everybody wants to say, well, their kids are going to do dumb things, but probably doesn't help with what happened six days later. That's kind of part of, I think, my thought is when I heard this, obviously, it, five days later, it, it, it was five days before the tragedy with Devin Willick and the young lady. And we don't know the circumstances of that. Uh, it's still not out of what the deal was. And obviously, they were going at a high rate of speed. But then you turn around and you find this out, that he was racing with reckless driving come on now, just don't do that. Don't do nothing because people get killed. They get killed, and, and you have to be careful. So, you know, I, the, the, the well, they're young t- thing. I mean, I know, I feel like I, I didn't become an adult until I was 30. I don't think the human brain is truly an adult until they're 30. I, I just think people in their 20s are, well, I'm in my 20s, I don't get when you're 30, you're like, oh, crap, I'm 30. I think 30 is a kind of a big time. So, uh, you know, and I don't have kids, so maybe I shouldn't even think about, well, are they kids or not? I mean, okay, they're young people, but still, you, you want to just say, come on, don't do that. And I'm sure now that one of his teammates was killed in an accident that obviously had speed involved, Jamin Dumas Johnson feels kind of bad, but... Regardless, if this is one of your leaders of your team, you you can't have this happen. He could have been killed. If you're racing and reckless driving in College Station Road, which, if I remember correctly, and and uh, Frank from Macon may have to correct me on this, things kind of curvy. It's like, come on, man, don't do that. So, yeah, I think disappointed when you're when you hear something like this and you hear these kids do things that are dumb and that kids will do, whether they're football players or not. You just want to say, come on, you're a football player. Don't jeopardize your life and your career for trying to be stupid. And, yes, we were all stupid. 
We used to have chases in Waycross and Cherokee Heights. <laughs> we couldn't speed very much because we were going block to block. <laughs> we were bored in Waycross. It didn't take very much to entertain us. But, I mean, we, used to, we never were putting anybody in jeopardy. We weren't racing. We were kind of playing chicken with each other in a weird way in the neighborhood. But we weren't – I mean, I guess they could have gotten us reckless driving. But we weren't racing. We were probably too damn afraid to do that. And so, anyway, I hate that Jamin Dumas Johnson did it, and I certainly have no excuses for him because he got arrested. He should have, and – Kirby's going to run him until he pukes. And look, he probably will have the conversation with him. Jamin, if you were a leader on this team like we thought you were, you better not do this crap anymore because those kids are looking at you. And that's how this program is now. And I, I think Kirby Smart is probably not happy at all, and he shouldn't be. And uh, I just get tired of the – you know, you said – I'm not picking on you, but you said earlier about Trey being young. Mm-hmm. Trey's been in the league for five years. Yeah. And I was like, when when is the when is the being young no longer it's, an excuse for behavior that you're you shouldn't have? I think it's different for different people, but I definitely I mean twenty five ish, I think. Because, mm-hmm. I, I mean I, I think you start to hopefully some not everybody, but I think a lot of people like by the time you're twenty five, you've started whatever career you're gonna have or job, you're maybe providing for somebody at that point and, and your priorities start to change a little bit. Whereas, I mean, when I was in college, I mean, not college, <laughs> not college. They're definitely, I mean, you know, you're, you're, it's a, it's a, it's almost like a transitional period when you're in college, but I think, you know, 22 and fresh out of college, 23, 24, you probably still make some pretty risky decisions, I guess I would say, but I think adulthood starts maybe mid twenties, mid to mid to late twenties. Yeah, I, I think it's even higher than that. I just, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm just, but it doesn't mean you should have an excuse for a behavior. Well, you know and I think I think that's the age where you the things that when that you would do things and people say, oh, well, they're just young, they're, they'll grow out of it, right? And then you still do that, and then you see the reaction to it is like, well, th- we're not making any excuses for you, and it's right. like, oh crap, I better grow up. Well, when you do that at thirty. And you're like, well, well you that's, know, that's a degenerate. That, that, then you're a degenerate in your mom's basement, right? Probably on a message board. Like, you know, you're either a degenerate in a, on a message board in your mom's basement or you're tired. Hey, if you're retired and you're sitting around in your house coat all day, fine. If you're 30, get out of the house and go get a job. <laughs> you're listening to The Bill Shanks Show.